Welcome to the Trevor Turnbull Show, where you'll hear vulnerable, honest stories that will inspire you to embrace your mess and live your best life. Hey, everybody, and welcome to today's show. Today's guest is Danielle Grant. Danielle Grant is your mindset mentor. She's my mindset mentor as well. And I think you're going to really enjoy what Danielle has to say in this podcast. So she and I connected a couple of years ago. I had already been following her online and just seeing how she was consistently showing up and speaking about these things that were holding people back in their businesses and their personal lives from really living their best life. And Danielle was an example for me of somebody that was showing up and doing the work, and then also sharing what she was learning along the way. So, you know, there's a few terms that kind of define Danielle, and that is, of course, mindset mentor. She is a spiritual personal development company CEO. She's a corporate dropout. She's a spiritual gangster. She's a yoga gypsy soul, and she is a passionate paraglider. We talked about all of these things on this show. Definitely give this a listen. Also, check out the resources for this show because there's a lot of stuff that we talked about that I'm sure, just like me, you're going to want to dive in deeper and really open your mind to possibility and all the things that we don't currently fully understand, but we want to because we all want the same thing, which is to live our best life. And Danielle can be a key piece in helping you do just that. So let's go ahead and give this a listen. Welcome, Danielle Grant, to my new podcast. It's great to have you here. Thanks, Trevor. I'm excited to be here. Really excited to be on the show. Yeah, we were just starting to kind of have that conversation of like, I really like podcasts. And I said, hey, hold that thought. Let's start talking about it here. But I agree. There's there's an energy that comes with knowing that you hit the record button and it's time to start talking vulnerably and truthfully and honestly. So I appreciate you taking some time to do this and... Of course, as I mentioned to you, you are one of my first five guests as well. And that is something that, um, you know, was an easy decision to make because, you know, you've had a a tremendous impact on my life as well as uh, the people that we've collectively served together through the different programs and the trainings and everything else that we've done. So I'm excited to share you with my network and everybody else that'll be listening to this. I'm excited to be on the show. This is going to be good. Absolutely. So I was doing some research actually last night and just Googled Danielle Grant. And I thought, what am I going to find online? I'm sure you've done this recently, right? And anybody who hasn't, I recommend that you go ahead and Google your name. And uh, I was aware of the Danielle Grant, the the meteorologist in Denver, Colorado, but I wasn't aware that there's a Miss Bahamas Universe 2018 that's named Danielle Grant. (laughs) And then when you dig far enough, I also found out that there's a realtor in Hamilton, Ontario named Danielle Grant. So that's, that's your competition in the Google world. But um, I know. Yeah. For anybody that's never heard of this Danielle Grant, uh, I obviously introduced who she is at the intro of this show, but Danielle is your mindset mentor. She is my, my mindset mentor as well. And Danielle, I'm just going to read out this first part here because like I say, this is the handful of first interviews that I'm doing and I want to make sure that I say this exactly how I want and then build that muscle as we go. So the reason why I created this podcast is really to have enlightened conversations with people that have inspiring stories to tell so that I can open my own mind 
and shift my beliefs in a way that allowed me to live my best life. And I'm obsessively curious to understand the events and the stories that shape people's lives, their thoughts and their beliefs that ultimately manifest in how they choose to show up in the world and what they believe to be true. So that is the context of this conversation here today is to, of course, have you be able to tell your story, but ultimately what led you to believe what you believe to be true and have that be something that empowers not only myself, but anybody that's listening to this. So are you ready to do this? Yeah, let's roll right into it. Excellent. So Danielle, just uh, uh, really quickly, two years ago, I think is when we first kind of connected online and, you know, we kind of joke about this, but I was quietly stalking Danielle through the social channels and the content that she was putting out. And to give a little context to that, what I mean is I had a program that was serving entrepreneurs and I had a mindset mentor that was in our program. His name was Dr. Nima Romani. And Dr. Nima was getting busy with what he was doing with his own business. And I was looking for somebody that could step in and really be that voice of supporting people on the thing that really ultimately holds them back, which is what's you know between their ears here. And Danielle, I don't even know how you popped up in my world, but somehow you did. And I found out that you were from Kelowna, which of course is where I ended up moving my family like six months later after I started following you. And in the early days of me following you, I think, and maybe you want to speak to this, but that was right around when you were starting to do Facebook lives and, you know, going live every single day and really pushing through maybe some of those fears and limiting beliefs that you even had at that time. Do you want to maybe speak to that time, like two and a half years ago, when you didn't even know that I was checking out your stuff, but you were consistently showing up and why you chose to do that at that time? Ah, it's such a good question. It just brings me down memory lane. <laughs> um, yeah, it's actually crazy to think about that. It's almost been three years that I made the decision to put myself online through live streams. And I decided to do 100 live streams. And it was actually around this time. It was around March or April of 2018. And the reason why I made that decision was... Everyone was saying you had to get online and like you had to, well, I was just trying to get online in general, but everyone was saying to leverage video, but I was really internally paralyzed by the fear of judgment and fear of what people were going to think about me being a new business owner and just like not even knowing what she was doing. And so I committed to doing a hundred live streams. That's all that I committed to. And through that experience, I obviously found my voice. I learned more about myself. I learned more about what I was here to share and that really opened up the gateway to, for me to be able to step into the, my content, which is really how you I, uh, found me, as I did stay consistent with content outside of live streams. And I just committed to content. That's the one thing I've stayed committed to since the beginning, because that's the thing that just keeps people's attention on you. And I knew that if I could move through the resistance of getting into content, I could stay consistent with it. And now I'm in a place where you know people really like my content, and I know what kind of content I want to put out, and I know what I'm talking about. So it's it's awesome. But at the beginning, that's how you found me was me challenging yeah. my belief system. Yeah, absolutely. And for those of you that don't know, Danielle challenged me about a year and four months ago. I remember it. It was either right before or right after Christmas in like 2019. And she basically said, hey, you're telling people to create content in order to build their personal brand, become a thought leader, attract their perfect clients, but you don't do it. And I resisted it, you know, greatly. I was like, oh, I don't need to do it. You know, I I already have an established brand. I have a network. 
and the, and it didn't take very long where I was like, wait a second, this is not in alignment with what I'm saying. I need to start doing what I say. And that was a, a major turning point for me with my business and just how I was showing up online. And to be honest, even this podcast is, is another step in that direction, right? Like I've been down this path before in starting, false starting on a podcast in the past. And there was probably a number of reasons why it never really got legs. I wasn't really fully behind it, but you know, just taking the steps to create consistently and just have these conversations is something that I would say probably even a year and a half ago, I might not have seen through just because I wasn't committed to actually showing up and being consistent. And I know, you know, probably 95% of it was rooted in the conversations I was telling myself, most of them negative, right? What are people going to think? Who am I to actually have my own show? And then of course, for me, you know, this about me, and this is something I'm constantly working on right now is I started thinking about the title of my show. And then that's, you know, it was like three weeks before I finally uh, came to the table. I asked you, I asked a couple other people in our private mastermind, you know, what should I name it? And everybody's just like, just go with your name and stop overthinking it. What's wrong with you? You know, like you've been down this path before. So anyways, regardless, um, and needless to say, Danielle's had a, a big impact on how I choose to show up every single day. And I'm glad that we're here to talk about this so other people can experience you and everything that you bring to the table. So let's jump back a little bit now too and help people understand how do you become your mindset mentor. And let's go all the way back to some of the earliest moments of, of Danielle Grant, the young kid growing up in Kelowna. What was childhood like for you? You know, what, what kind of family did you grow up in? Obviously, you know, I know Kelowna now, but just give me a sense of like, what was your life as a kid? Yeah, you know, I decided when you asked me to do this interview that I wasn't, that I was really going to challenge this question because I think a lot of people ask this question and I really go back to um, an experience that I had, but I'm going to go back a little bit farther. And it's funny because you actually are exactly in the location that I'm talking about. That's right. uh, Which is super crazy. Trevor literally lives one block away from my childhood home. Yeah. So when I think about it, I grew up in an awesome family. Like a really awesome, I mean, look at the the neighborhood that you're in. You have this amazing community and there's playgrounds and it's just good people live there. And it's this amazing scenery. And it was just really amazing. But I had a sister who in my own own eyes, I was never going to be as good at. So Mm. my whole entire life, I lived against this sister who excelled at everything and in my mind was in the spotlight. And so as much as I was living this really awesome life, I came from parents that loved me. Uh, You know, we lived in a beautiful house with a pool. Life was great. I was living in this story that I was never going to be as good as my sister and my parents were never going to love me as much as my sister. Mm. And so that started from a very- older or younger? She's older by three years. Um, but alongside that time in the same, which is why I'm talking about my location specifically, is I was I was always a bigger girl, and at that time, you know, that wasn't really the thing. And so I grew up around this pool growing up, and I learned to become very uncomfortable in my in my body. But on the outside, it would seem like I I had it fine. So I had created this very dualistic life for myself, and I I didn't recognize it at the time. As an adult looking back, I, I can see the duality in it. But when you ask the question where it started, it really started from my earliest memories living in that childhood home in an environment where my days were being judged by what I looked like and I was 
internally comparing myself to this person that I was never going to live up to and I was never going to be lovable by my parents. And that started at a very young age. And I didn't know that this was going on for a very long time, but that is the answer to really how I got into all of this back into my childhood is because it started with me creating a distorted perception of my reality. Yeah. And my belief system. Yeah. Well, and I'm, I appreciate you sharing that. That's, um, you know, since I've started going down this journey of allowing myself to consume information again, because I told you before that I, I kind of shut myself off for a while where I was like, no podcast, no outside influence, nothing. I just want to focus on me and my thoughts. And that served me for sure. But, you know, when you and I were talking, and it was probably only like four or five months ago about making some transitions and the things that both of us were doing in our business and our partnerships and that type of thing. For me, it was starting to listen to other people and, and um, understand the, the biology and the, the role of the ego and the subconscious and the conscious and, and all these things that, you know, like I say, I purposely kind of put it to the side, but I also subconsciously probably didn't want to know the answer to certain things, <laughs> which is totally. many of our beliefs come from these experiences that we have over our life, including all the way back to childhood. In fact, I was just listening to an interview with uh, Gabor Mate the other day. And you hear lots of people talk about like the impact of those first seven years of life, but he even talked about the first three years of life being super impactful as to how you show up in the world and what you believe to be true. What's your thoughts on that? Because obviously you've done a lot deeper work than I even have. I, I ping Danielle all the time and I'm like, oh, I just, you know, watch this video. Have you ever seen it? You're like, yeah, I watched that like four years ago. <laughs> but I'm like, oh, it's so new to me, you know? But, um, you know, when you think about it from that context, obviously the timeline you're talking about was probably right around six, seven, maybe a little bit older, right? But like, what's your thoughts on on that whole idea of like early childhood developments and I'm coming at this from the context of like, I'm a dad with a three-year-old and a four-year-old. And I think about these things constantly of like, am I nurturing my kids? Am I, you know, should I be tougher on them? Like there's so many conversations that come up as a parent, right? Let's maybe just speak about that. What's, what's your thoughts on that early childhood development and how it shapes who we are later in life? Yeah, really good question because this is really the the root and basis of how I got into this work essentially is me exploring how I created these beliefs at a young age and how that actually I I interpreted that for myself. What I've learned for myself and and realized and you're learning through this journey as well is everything is is frequency is vibration and energy. And so when you are 0 to 3 as a child, you're very much living within only frequency. The only thing that you're consuming is outside opinions. It's outside noises, people, parents, things like that. So you're basically coming in at a, at a balanced frequency and anything from zero to three is what your frequency tunes to. Mm. So that's why it makes such a difference because from that point, depending on what your parents vibrate out at is what you perceive, how they speak to you, what their beliefs are, what their fears are, what their, their internal feelings are on both sides, including grandparents and beyond. Tune the frequency to what your belief system, your core belief system is. Yeah. And if you want to go even farther beyond that into the spiritual stuff, it's, you know, that's why you're supposed to have the parents you're supposed to have. Well, my intellectual mind says, okay, from zero to three, just knowing raising two kids so far, like 
they're not communicating with you verbally, really, you know, like a little bit, you know, Bodhi's starting to voice, you know, his opinion quite, quite adamantly. But um, the idea of energy, when you say that, are you referring to just a way of being like they can feel exactly how you're showing up and it has less to do with what you're saying and more to do with how you, how you communicate and your body language and just everything to do with that? Or, or what is energy, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> what you're asking about is the same thing. So everything is energy around you. Your computer is energy. This microphone is energy. The coffee in your cup is energy. Everything on planet Earth is energy, which means everything that you speak is an energy. And when you speak the words out of your mouth, they become a tuned frequency, which means that they leave your physical body into the ether of, of energy and vibrate out back to you. So that's why we say we create a reality. So when we talk about children being zero to three, the way that you are as a person, what your internal beliefs are, is what you vibrate out, what your energy is without you saying anything. If you're having a very frustrated day, your frequency is no longer chill. It's frustrated. You can feel it. Your spouse can feel it. You can feel when your spouse is off. It's the same thing. Your kids are feeling the same thing between that age because Mm. they can feel frequency. Their beings have auras. They feel frequency. When you speak to them, so that was the first part of your question. So yes, that's how they do it. So if you live a very mindful life, a very calm life, the way you speak to them is not raising your voice, even if you're trying to get a a determined point across, but you're not elevating the frequency, it's landing differently. But the second question is your words. Yeah, your words are no different. Every word that you you say is a frequency. They're hearing frequency because their ears are working. As soon as they're born, they have ears and that's why you're tuning them. That's why you tune what their beliefs are. That's why we become so much of what our parents are. And then as we move into our different, you know, from three to seven, we're a little bit more people. But what's happening is our conscious aspect is coming through more, right? It's no longer our parents' vibration. We're now letting our own vibration shine. So, you know, when you get beyond that kind of age of seven and then you're rolling into the teenage years and stuff, of course, outside influences and other people's opinions of you and the way that you interpret that, of course, has a big impact on it. Let's maybe, of course, I've heard your story and I understand a little bit about your journey through your high school years and that type of thing, but you want to maybe share a little bit about what that was like for you. So obviously, you know, you said that you grew up in this great community, which it really is. Like there's so many families out here with like young kids and just tons of open space. And these kids can just be kids, you know, and, you know, heading into high school, then what was that like for you? And what were some of the things that you were running up against as a teenager, trying to figure out who you were and where you fit in this world? Yeah, it really started for me. uh, Middle school was when it really all changed. So the time period I just spoke about with you was my elementary school. So I I finished elementary school down in that lower Glen Rosa area and then uh, moved up to a different house into a different high school. And we were mixing two different, that's when the two different schools started to mix together. And that's when I started to really live in this place of not feeling worthy, not being seen. I was being, I was the overweight girl. Um, you know, that was a time you're starting to experiment with like dating and like flirting and that just wasn't happening for me. And so I started to really lack confidence around that time. Mm. Um, and that was, that was the time that I really started. My sister really started excelling. She was, you know, she was now in, in high school and she was like doing amazing at life. And so I was really down on myself and that was when I started to get really dark, but it, no one knew. No one knew because we were living this great life. And so when I was 15 years old, I was in middle school and a teacher gratefully asked me if I was okay. 
I said I wasn't. I told her that I was going home to kill myself. And that was a very real thing that was happening. It wasn't a split decision. It had been a very long time in the thinking process and happening. It was three years basically of like, what is this deep, dark world that I live in? And shortly after that, within that day, I found myself in the psychiatric ward for five days. And Mm. uh, that was the first time in my life I ever asked, like, what, like, how did I actually think my life wasn't worth living for? Like, this is what I I thought I wanted to give up. And at the time, I didn't understand how uh, the purpose of it or why I was in it. It was just where I was. And it was also at a time where it wasn't really viewed in society as okay. And so there was a lot of shame around that experience. We didn't talk about it. We didn't really tell anybody about it. And um, during that time period, at the same time, my parents were going through divorce. So there was a few things leading up to this, which my parents were going through divorce, but also my sister had, and I had gotten into a very severe fight. And that's what really triggered me to want to pull the plug essentially. And so not only was I having this massive awakening moment at 15 that was wrapped around shame. So I had associated that experience to shame. My parents were getting a divorce and my sister and I were not even talking to each other. We weren't even allowed to live in the same house. Mm. So when you ask what it was like for me moving into high school, it was crazy because now I was moving across the lake to a single mom with a single mom into a completely different life with a completely different high school Gratefully, this is a small enough town that uh, the sporting world allowed me to meet people from both sides of the lake. So I had people I knew and I was coming out of this shameful situation that no one knew about, that no one knew I had experienced. And I was trying to pretend like everything was fine. You know, life was great. I was moving to a new school. My parents were divorced. I was just thinking about taking my life and life's great. So that was like a big part of my life that I, I, I mean, I've obviously shared with you, but it was a big part of my life. That's a big part of my story. And so that allowed me to realize that there was more to live for. So when I got into high school, I found myself in a real leadership role. And not that I had never been in a leadership role before, because my personality is obviously one of a leadership role, but I really got more into this leadership role of like really wanting to help people just like be their best. And if I saw people that were depressed, I knew it. I saw it. So I would try to help them. I would talk to the the kids at school that people didn't talk to. So I definitely, my behaviors changed when I look back on that experience for me to go into high school. So I operated differently than I would have previously. And I think that allowed me to step into this place of wanting to see that I was someone who was a healer that was here to support Mm. people that had an eye for seeing when people were misaligned because of an experience that I had. I was just trying to do the math on the timing of that. It was probably like what late nineties, early two thousands type thing would have been that kind of timeline. High school uh, days. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was early two thousands. Early, early two thousands. Yeah. So I just think back to that time in my life of like, hmm, I didn't have a cell phone even until like two thousand and five, and there definitely wasn't anything like social media where I could turn to both the positive and the negative side of that, of course. So, you know, you mentioned, and we talked about this briefly on the live stream that we did the other day, that um, that teacher really played an instrumental part in, in you not taking your own life, right? Like they, they obviously saw some of the signs and, and took a stand to, to say, is everything okay, right? And did that influence you at all as well too, in the way that you've decided to serve other people is, is how that person showed up for you? Did that play a part? It's a really interesting question because 
I hadn't shared that with anybody up until that live stream. And so I hadn't really ever thought about it in that way. But I would obviously assume, knowing what I know now, yeah, that that experience allowed me to, for my higher self, my karmic life to experience being supported and cared for in a moment. And I allowed it to happen. And when I allowed it to happen, my life changed. And I think on a subconscious level, that allowed me to see that that was a thing. Yeah. You know, and I'll say like, she was also, I'd been with her for three years in school. Like she knew who I was. We are in those, the teachers know she was also a friend of my mom's. Like we'd all become friends. So, you know, you always know when someone's off, but we used to be so afraid to say anything and she wasn't. And I think now when people say like, I'm a no bullshit coach and I just call it like it is. When you ask that question and I think about it, listening to it right now, it's like, that's probably why I am that way is because someone was bold enough to call me out on that at such a vulnerable stage in my life that it changed my life. That now I have no problem doing it for other people because I know that that's the thing that they need to hear to actually get them to shift. So that was a really interesting question that you just asked. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's kind of rooted in a a few things. I just think about my own personal experience. I'm not, I think you and I talked about this when you interviewed me for your podcast, but I had a cousin that actually did commit suicide and I'm struggling to remember exactly when it was. It was like late nineties, early two thousands type thing. And there's been many, many, many moments in our family looking back at that and wondering what could I have done differently? You know, how could I have approached that person so that they didn't take that step? Right. And yeah, it just brings up a lot of memories of like, you know, how one little incident, one, one conversation, one you know, one person taking a stand for you and not allowing you to believe the stories that you're telling yourself can make all the difference and completely shift how you live the rest of your life, you know? And that's why I believe your work is so critically important, not just for entrepreneurs and making money and everything else. It's just to allow people to actually live their greatest lives. And, you know, I think that's one of the one of the gifts that you have is, and people joke about this all the time. They're like, Danielle's very straightforward and blunt. And I'm like, yeah, but there's a reason for it, right? It's because you've seen how close you even came to just not even being here. And somebody took a stand for you. So obviously that did play a, a big part. And it's in, yeah. Anyways, I'm glad that uh, <laughs> glad that we got a chance to to talk through that because I think that's important for people to hear if they if they've ever, you know, had those kind of thoughts or gone through those experiences themselves. And on that note, there's actually a quote that, um, you know, I think most people have heard, and I wanted to ask your opinion on it too, because there's varying opinions on this, but the Buddha said, life is suffering. What is your feelings on that? What is your thoughts? What does that mean to you? And do you believe it to be true? That's a loaded question. <laughs> Go as far down that path as you want to. Instinctively, I want to say that before I got studied Buddhism, I, I probably would have not understood that. I, I would probably would have been like, we're not here to suffer. But understanding a little bit deeper now, in the spiritual world, which is the non-physical aspect of us, there is no duality. There is no negativity. There is no suffering. And when we come into this human experience, we come from that place. So we come from a very neutral, like positive love and light state. And we come into a human body and a human paradigm and a frequency that 
causes us to have duality, that causes us to have suffering, that causes us to have pain and negativity. And the whole thing with Buddha is enlightenment. And the whole point of enlightenment is to become free of suffering. So what he's referencing is we are here to suffer. And the whole point of it is for us to awaken that we don't have to suffer. And when we figure that out, we're on the path of enlightenment. And until then, we are only here to suffer because we can't wake up otherwise. Mm. That's my interpretation of it anyways. Yeah. Yeah, Like I say, I've been consuming a lot lately and I've heard that question come up a few times and there's so many varying opinions on what exactly that means. And I know for me, like what I choose to believe on that is, is the idea. And you spoke about this on a podcast, I think a few months ago, the idea that, you know, using the analogy of um, working out or going to the gym, right. It hurts when you do it right and you grow, it hurts a little bit, but it's not hurt in the context of like, it's going to kill you. It's hurt in the context of your growing, right? And that's how I at least choose to see it right now, just with my own limited understanding of all this. Because like I say, I've cracked that nut open of the path that you've gone down for the last 19 years. And I'm just starting to kind of learn some of this stuff and you know, Buddhism and religion and spirituality and energy and chakras and all this stuff, it's still very new to me. And in fact, I heard you talk about this on that same podcast, the idea of um, when you started to be somebody that was showing up as a mindset mentor to help other people, that there was a little bit of hesitancy even too around whether or not people would think of it as woo, woo woo, right? And you and I have talked about that numerous times because I've been pretty much the poster child of that and very transparent with you of saying like, yeah, you know, I've been consuming content and learning about the law of attraction and manifestation and stuff for the probably better part of a decade. But for the longest time, I have thought of it as like, okay, I believe it. And then it comes true. Yeah, right. You still got to get up in the morning and do this and do this. And my beliefs have shifted on that a lot, and I'm, but I'm still in the middle of it, right? There's still a lot that um, I'm still opening my mind to. And I guess my question that I would have for you on that is, where are you with that mindset now? Because I know you've brought it up. So obviously, it's, be, it's been a part of your consciousness and, and the way that you show up. But how do you feel about your own, like the judgment that you might believe that people people would have around what you're speaking about and what you believe to be true and what you're trying to share with the world? I think if you would have asked me that question six months ago, I would have told you I had a lot of fear around it. I had a lot of uh, doubt or uncertainty or questioning of why am I this person or like, who am I? Lots of imposter syndrome. But um, I think the, the current events of the world have really allowed me to trust my spiritual path and journey and see the support and validating conversations and people that are coming in and telling me to own this understanding and truth that I have come to learn or that I channel or that I'm here to share. And I've done a lot of work, as you know, to get moved beyond this idea that I'm not here to share this or that, you know, I'm not good enough or there's imposter syndrome and having the support of our private mastermind. I would probably say that the conversation is I don't have a lot of judgment anymore. But that took me a long time to work through that. I really own my power now, which is kind of why I'm where I am in my business now is because I'm willing to stand on that soapbox and not be afraid and not be afraid of judgment. But it took me, a, it took me a, like a good six months of 
consistent journaling and, and attention and talking about it and telling people I was working through it for me to work through that one. Can you maybe speak to the three-step mindset framework as well? And Because I, I believe that that's probably a big part of it. In fact, I've heard you, we've talked lots about this, but I've heard you talk about it publicly too, that that's a kind of a cornerstone element to what you teach and what you serve support people on. But you also practice it yourself, right? Like even in the moment, if something comes up and you're like, oh my God, what did I do? I just went down this path and I'm self-doubting. You use this three-step mindset framework yourself, don't you? And you want to maybe explain what that is and why it's so powerful? Yeah. So the three-step mindset framework is absolutely something that I, I've programmed into my subconscious. So it just happens for me. And yeah, in those moments of like, who am I to do this? And it's like, wait, the first question is, what am I believing to be true right now? And it's like, well, what am I believing to be true is I'm not good enough. I'm not the person. I don't have enough experience. They're going to think it's woo-woo. It's not normal information. So that's what I'm believing to be true. And then the next question is, well, where does it come from? Why am I believing this to be true? Like, if I'm believing this to be true, where did it come from? Let's talk about it. And uh, it always comes back to society. That's what society says. And that's what everyone says around this topic. So obviously, that's what I believe to be true because that's all that I know. And then the third question is, well, why do I want to believe to be more true? And that is always the opportunity to say, well, I want to believe that I am the person for this and I am confident and I am courageous and I am here to share this. But the biggest thing with this stuff, and you know, you say you, you have to use it, is you have to use it. And mm-hmm. number three is the part that actually impresses the new idea on the subconscious mind, allowing that to become your reality. Without step three consistently, it doesn't matter. None of it matters. And that's what everyone does in their lives, right? They, you know, they do step one and two, but then they don't do four, five, six, and then they complain that they don't get the result. The reason why this framework works is because the first question totally works through your ego mindset, your human self, and then goes through your subconscious lens that way. So it totally brings up the negative and distorted perspective. Once you do that, you ask the second question. Now you're working only in the subconscious mind. So now you're asking yourself to become clear on what it, why you're believing this, like really see where this attachment came from. And then the third part is really allowing you to change that yourself, taking ownership of you wanting to impress that. And it's important for people to hear that because it's not just like, the same static questions you're asking. They're done in a very intentional way and that's why they work and that's why they don't require a lot of effort and that's why I use them every day and that's why people's lives change using them. It's simple and it's very strategic. Yeah, I appreciate the clarity on that. Um, You kind of answered what I was going to use as a follow-up there too, which is the middle question around why do I believe this to be true? I think a lot of times that's really where people get stuck because they just default to, well, I don't know. It's because it's true. Like, that's why I believe it to be true because it's true, right? They kind of default back to that as opposed to diving into the like underlying roots. Obviously, part of this answer is like, well, work with somebody, talk through it with um, somebody that, you know, can help you dig deep into the really underlying roots on this. But what can a person do on their own to actually address that question of why do I believe this to be true? What is the first step, especially for somebody that's just listening to this for the first time? And they're like, okay, I've never heard this before. It sounds interesting. But like, what do you mean? Why do I believe this to be true? How can they do that? The first thing I always say, and you'll hear this in my content through and through, is you always know the answer. And the first time you ask, the answer is never going to be right there. So you have to give yourself some grace and some space. And for the person who's just hearing this, they're going to ask that question of, 
Why am I believing this distorted negative belief thing holding me back to be true? Immediately, you want to say, I don't know, because that's your default answer. But you do always know. And hearing me say, you do know, will allow your subconscious to actually kind of slow you down and be like, wait a minute, try something for a second. And then the next thing is like, what part of society or where do I last remember this experience being introduced in my life? Was it through a movie? Was it through a teacher? Was it through a parent? Was it through a magazine? What was the last experience in my life that I remember this experience, like being introduced in my life? And if you just give it a second, you'll hear it. But you have to kind of just chill for a second. Mm. So that's what I would say to somebody. Yeah. And if I can speak from my own perspective, and you know this, but um, I've really struggled over the years. And, and I say that openly. And I know that that language does not serve me because I, I choose not to struggle with this now. But the whole idea of slowing my mind down and meditation mm-hmm. and the idea that when you actually stop trying to find the answer, it comes to you. And, and you can see some of these past experiences that may be impacting how you're choosing to see something right now. That's something that's, uh, you know, it's still a work in progress for me, I'll be honest, but it's something that, you know, it took me 43 years to actually get to the point where I allowed myself to, you know, at least go down the path of like, huh, maybe I should try this, like slowing down and, you know, clearing my mind. What kind of impact has meditation had on your life too? And how long have you been doing it personally? Um, and what's been your experience over the years to the point where today I know it's something that you speak about a lot and you even have uh, meditations yourself that you provide to other people. There's a lot of questions in there, but I'd love to dive a little bit into the meditation side of things. Yeah, it's so interesting actually, because when I hear people channel about people stepping into this kind of work, you'll often hear people that will say like, you're probably someone who has these meditations that you've produced and you never thought you'd create meditations, but you're afraid for the world to hear them. And I'm like, Mm. oh my God, that's me. (laughs) Um, Because I never thought I would ever create meditations or produce meditations. I never saw that in my timeline or in my future. So this is a good question to ask, but I tried getting into meditation when I was younger, when I was 19, when I uh, moved away from Kelowna, dropped out of college, was going to go do something with my life and defy all the odds was kind of when I started to seek it. And I didn't really get into it. I like was everyone. Uh, I can't do it. My mind isn't quiet. And I would try, but I would still live within that story. And so um, it was always something I read about and I was always curious and I would look into, but I didn't really look into it uh, for a long time. And then I worked for um, in the car industry and that was when we talk about frequency, that's really fast paced frequency. And I was even working in luxury cars. So they were like fast cars. So everything was moving at a really high, high pace. And that's when I found my, out of my life completely go out of balance. And I was really seeking grounding of some sort. And I knew meditation had it, but again, I was still living in that story. So then I went to uh, Thailand for a party trip, found myself in temples, did not know why I was there, did not know why I was totally obsessed And just completely felt balanced, completely felt neutralized. And that's when I first started to be like, okay, there's something to this world. And at the same time, I was also becoming curious to more of the personal development. Why wasn't my life shifting? And when I came back from that trip, I started working for a lady who was into meditation. And I saw how much she leveraged it throughout her days in different aspects of her career to call in different things in her life. And I became really curious about, about it. And so I started really studying it. And that's when I got into the attachment to thought and meditation. And then I was still of the mindset though, that uh, 
if you don't have a silent mind, you're doing it wrong and it's a waste of your time. And it's only about balance is kind of what I thought was going on. Mm. And then I went to Bali and I got really curious about it and came back and started studying with Buddhist monks and started learning what meditation was and what it was about and what it offered us. And that first and foremost, you're not supposed to have a silent mind when you get into meditation. That is not the intention of it. And so I had come to like, I don't know, I was probably at like six years of looking through the distorted lens of meditation, always be very curious about it, which is most people, most people have a really big draw to meditation and they don't know why, and but they just always live in this distorted mindset. And so then I got into uh, really understanding meditation. I got into becoming one with my thoughts, welcoming my thoughts, not living this mindset that I had lots going on. And I started noticing that my my thoughts became lesser and I stopped overthinking as much. And I was like, oh, there's, there is this whole detachment to thought. And that's the point of meditation. And then I started learning more about energy and frequency and, and that. And that was really important for me in my entrepreneur journey because I immediately turned, when I lost my last corporate job, I immediately turned to meditation. That was my tool that I turned to. Most people would go to like a business thing. I immediately went to meditation through meditation because it offers you conscious alignment. I got a lot of business downloads through that space. And so that's one of the reasons why I became very into meditation from an entrepreneur perspective is because it actually allowed me to create my business. And I saw the power in helping shift entrepreneurs' beliefs from distorted and the laundry list and I'm doing it wrong to what it was really about, becoming one with your thoughts and seeing it, and then allowing the understanding of what that space can offer you in terms of visualizing your future. So that's kind of like my meditation journey. Um, And now I don't go without it. And like you said, I produce meditations now. Well, and I appreciate in particular what you said there about the idea of meditation is not to silence your mind. Obviously, it happens over time. But I think you were the first person that I at least allowed myself to hear that because that was the story I told myself forever was like, well, I'm no good at this. So I'm just not going to try, right? I would go to these different events and stuff and sit in a room and see other people that just seem so peaceful. And there was me like looking around, <laughs> trying to close my eyes, trying to stop things and then just defaulting to like, well, I'm, I'm not good at this, so I should just quit, right? And that's obviously not the answer, but getting permission to say like, that's okay. Like it's, it's, you don't need to have a quiet mind when you first start. It's like anything, right? It builds over time. You get to be more comfortable in this in this state and allow it to um, have things kind of come to you, right? Even if in the moment it doesn't feel right, because that's that whole subconscious belief of programming that led you to that point to believe those things anyways, right? So it is a powerful thing. And, and like I say, my, my vision and purpose of doing this podcast is to just keep opening my mind and hopefully allowing other people to hear these things too, and maybe try this for the first time. If you, where can people find your meditations in particular, Danielle? Where do, where do you keep those? They're on your website, right? Uh, they're on my website. They're also my YouTube channel. There's also a link on my, on my, yeah, they're everywhere. And on any of my profiles, you can pick them up. It's powerful stuff. And if you're new to this and it's something that you've thought about checking out, I do recommend that you go and listen to these. I've um, personally... Uh, made a point to listen to yours, Danielle. And now I've expanded out into all kinds of other ones too. Uh, and just trying different things, trying to, you know, sit for five minutes in the morning and then 20 minutes. Uh, I'm not going to lie, like the 20 minutes sit down, I, I start getting antsy. But obviously, you know, that's an early stage here too. I'm sure at some point I'll be able to look back at that and go, how did I 
Why was I so antsy? What was what was the story I was I was believing there? So another question I want to ask you about is your focus and productivity guide that you created at the start of this year. This was something that obviously just kind of came to fruition as as you were transitioning your business and starting to shift what you were how you were showing up in your business and who you were wanting to serve. Why did you create the focus and productivity guide and what can a person learn from it that will actually serve them whether they're an entrepreneur or somebody in a job to level up their, you know, overall financial abundance. Okay, so the focus on productivity report really came out of the understanding that if I couldn't get someone to be focused or understand how to deploy any type of focus and productivity, uh, it didn't matter what I was going to teach them. In fact, it wouldn't matter what anyone was going to teach them. They weren't going to get the results that they wanted. And through my personal experience, not only as an entrepreneur, but in the corporate world and as a person, I've been able to leverage focus and productivity to get the results that I want. And so when I decided to pivot my business, I was actually trying to step more into a spiritual side, talking more of that. But I learned very quickly that it didn't matter. It didn't matter what I was sharing if I couldn't get people to actually transform their operating system internally around focus and productivity. And so ultimately, that's why I created that is because anyone listening to this you need focus on productivity in anything that you do. And it's an operating system. And that's really what that report is sharing is like, hey, it's an operating system and those apps are not the solution. You are the solution with the apps. Let me show you a different perspective. Let me show you how your mindset actually looks at focus and productivity. And by sharing that, the really the hope is to expand people's mindsets to understand that I need to change what this operating system looks like in order to get a different result. And that result that I'm trying to get is taking action on the things that are going to move my life and my business forward. And so that was really important for me that uh, I did that. And it it happened really quick. I totally, it was the right thing for me to create. I ended up creating everything around my business kind of at that foundational point, but just really rooted in this idea that without it, you don't get the results you want. You don't move forward. It's impossible. Without focus and productivity, you are stuck. And that's where most people are. Well, and that's why I wanted to bring it up and have you articulate exactly what it is, because I I believe that as well. It doesn't matter what we're doing, and especially in today's world where everybody's kind of looking for the hack or the the quick solution for whatever it is, whether it's to like, you know, have better health or to have a more thriving business. If you don't do these foundational things, you're just setting yourself up for a repeated pattern of like trying to, you know, fast track your way into something that just requires you to become consistent, requires you to challenge your thoughts and to, you know, build a framework around how you approach everything in life. It doesn't matter whether it's your physical fitness or your mental fitness or, you know, your financial wellness or whatever. So I definitely recommend that people check that out. And I wanted an opportunity to chat about it. So uh, Danielle, we're going to wrap things up here with my power of one lightning round. Are you ready to go here? I'm ready. Let's do this. Okay. And feel free. It doesn't have to be one word answers, uh, but if you want to just kind of keep it concise with regards to, you know, what comes up for you and, you know, don't judge it either. If something comes to mind, just say it out loud. All right. <laughs> so number one is who is the one person slash mentor that has been the most influential in your life? To date, all time. Her name is Danielle Laporte. Do you want more information or is that it? <laughs> I know who Danielle Laporte is actually, but maybe yeah. speak a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. She's actually a local Vancouver Canadian girl. So I came across Danielle Laporte when I was 19 years old and I had first moved to Calgary. I had left, I dropped out of college. Everyone told me I wasn't going to make 
anything in my life without a degree. I said, fuck you. And uh, I moved to Calgary and she was at a conference. It was this woman empowerment conference. I didn't have any money to go. I asked my dad to buy my ticket for me. I had no idea who the speakers were, but I just felt I moved to this new city. I've always wanted to be a motivational speaker. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to go to this event. And I'll never forget she was the keynote speaker and she came out and it was like, she was a goddess. And I was just like this beaming light. And she shared her story, how she worked in the corporate world at the Pentagon. And then like, was like, fuck this same kind of thing. And like, I'm going to go do my own thing. And then she became a spiritual teacher. And, uh, that was 13 years ago. And just that whole experience, I, I followed her. I took the program she was in. I still wasn't really spiritually awoken, but that I understand now why I was following her. But that, when you ask that question, that is who it is. And Mm. also, as I made the transition into entrepreneurship, I stopped kind of following anybody. But when I got down on myself, I turned around and I went back to her because her message was always of love and light and spiritual base. So that is the person and I will forever give her credit. Nice. What was her book called again? Firestarter? Firestarter. She has a couple of them. Yeah. But Firestarter, it was just, oh, it was just, she's amazing. She's a total light worker, spiritual badass. Yeah, I, I know I didn't actually read her book, but I scanned through it and I bought it and gave it to Sharmila, <laughs> which was obviously kind of projecting certain things. But I, I just remember that was like 10 years ago, probably too, where I came across her and I was like, hmm, there's something to this woman. You know, she's got a certain energy about her. So that's a great answer. Okay. So next question is who is the one person mentor that is most influential in your life right now? There's a couple different people, but I'm in a program right now where the mentors are next level and uh, they're currently speaking into my life and they are the right people to be speaking into my life. Uh, What is the one thing that you are most excited about right now? It can be business or personal. I'm excited that flying season is about to start. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of had a feeling you were going to say that. Maybe talk about that. What is it paragliding, parasailing? I always paragliding. Okay. Talk about what paragliding means to you and why you started to do that as well. Yeah. Paragliding is something that I had no idea I was ever going to get into. Uh, I've never really had a passion for paragliding specifically. I've seen it a couple times in my life. But um, last summer, somebody invited me. They knew that I like to do that, that kind of stuff, adrenaline stuff, and invited me for a tandem. And I went and immediately it, when my feet left the ground, I was like, how do you do this? Because you fly underneath of a wing. So you're flying like a bird. So it's very chill. Yeah. Obviously, sometimes it's not. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, you're very connected to mother nature and to consciousness and source. And for me, in, as an entrepreneur or as a mindset mentor and someone who's into the spiritual stuff and is enlightened. That's what I'm about. I like that connection. And so I understand now the draw to it, but yeah, I mean, Trevor, you saw me like came out of nowhere, changed my whole life, moved out there, lived in a tent for two months, worked and learned how to paraglide it. And it was like the most challenging experience of my life. And now I absolutely live for it. So uh, that's what truly what I'm most excited for right now, I think, because uh, more so that my business allowed me the opportunity to have that choice to do that. And now I can still do that. So I think that's why I'm most excited. And that is incredible, actually, too, to think, you know, that, you know, you did, because we did a lot of uh, masterminds, public ones. And of course, you were the mindset mentor inside of our program. So there's a lot of Zoom activity and stuff. And you were literally doing it from a tent (laughs) in the middle of nowhere. That's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. What is one philanthropic cause that means the most to you and why? And Danielle asked me this question and she made me freeze, actually. I'll let you give your answer and then I'll explain 
um, what that's uh, brought up for me as well. So what's the one uh, philanthropic cause that means the most to you? It's the same one as you, and it's the children's hospital because mm. same and directly impacted from having my niece spend three months in the NICU. And I actually wasn't aware of that. Yeah. When I was young, when I was 20 years old, my sister had her first child and she was born with gastroceosis, which is where your intestines are on the outside of your stomach. Mm. And so she was born three months early and Vancouver General, she lived in the Easter Seals house. My sister and her were there for three months. Oh, wow. Yeah. But prior to that experience, I had always kind of been into volunteer work, which is one of the reasons why I asked that question on our podcast. And... I had always worked within organizations that benefited that cause and I had never been directly impacted by it, but I I was always a part of the really cool events. And I I was like, oh, that's such a good cause. Right. And then we went through it shortly after that. And immediately that has always been my number one cause. And I, I cannot wait for the day that I can allow my niece to deliver a very large check because we needed that. Our family needed that support. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great one. And just to kind of wrap that, that story, Danielle asked me that question about three, four months ago now. And I froze. Like when you asked me, I was like, um, because truthfully, I wasn't giving back at all at that time. Like I was very, very intentional of like my future plans to want to give back to the children's hospitals and any other kind of association, you know, nonprofit associated to that type of thing. But by Danielle asking me that question, I actually found myself saying that I wasn't ready or that I didn't have the financial means to do so. And it was not true. It was just me literally not being consciously aware of it. So that was a, that was a really impactful question that you asked me. That's why I wanted to bring this one up and um, just thank you for that too, because you know now, of course, I am donating on a consistent basis, but it's also got me thinking of like, what else can I do to actually create impact? Because obviously money, money helps. It, it definitely doesn't hurt, but our time and our, and just our energy that we can commit to that as well. So there's going to be more things, I guess, is what I'm saying that I'm going to be doing in that space as well. So, and you, you started that. So there was a ripple effect that came from that. So I appreciate that. Can I just share something on that? Sure. I think it's important for people that are listening to hear though, that like, if you can't give your time, that $5 or $10 goes a really far away. And if you, yeah want to give more than your than just your money, the time does go a long way. And I've spent a long time giving time because I didn't have money to give mm-hmm. for a long time in my 20s. And I will tell you, not only did it enrich my life every time I went and did it, but every time I went into one of those experiences, it was such a high vibrational state because it was towards a good cause. It was good people. And everyone was just happy that was there that you don't realize how much you need that in your life. And I just encourage anyone listening to this if it's not money, give a little bit of your time. Even if it's for one hour and that's the only thing that you do, that one hour will will enrich your life so much that you won't even know. And as an entrepreneur, that will make more of a difference than you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this next question I think is very fitting on that then. So what is one thing that you are most grateful for right now? I am most grateful for the belief in myself and the ability that my human self was willing to keep going when I didn't want to. That is what I'm most grateful for. And I think that people don't acknowledge that enough. Uh, you know, I could say my family, but I am grateful that, that my, a part of me knew not to give up. And I want Amazing. to acknowledge that. Awesome. What is one thing that you're most curious about right now, trying to find the answer to? 
Okay, this is so sound really off topic, but someone asked me that recently, and I will tell you what I am actually looking into because I'm very curious about it, and I'm curious about it because of where we live. So there is something that is called um, toxic shock syndrome, mm. and what it is is when someone jumps out of a boat when the boat is off, there's still a charge from the engine in the water, and it's the frequency. And what happens is people will jump out of the boat and jump into the water and not know that there's a charged frequency. And as soon as they hit the top of the water, it instantly kills their being. And what, yeah. And so oftentimes when you hear of drownings of people that, you know, they were in the boat and then they jumped out of the boat and they weren't there. It typically is because it was this toxic shock syndrome. And as soon as they hit the water, their being became shocked. They became dead weight and immediately sunk, which is why people don't find them. And years ago, I had it happen to a friend here in Kelowna, and that's what made me become curious. And so I've been curious about this question. How does it happen so fast that you, mm. like, it shocks so much that you become that heavy, that you sink that fast? That's what I'm most curious about. So that's just, that's my answer. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what I'm going to get for <laughs> answers on these questions. That's why whatever it is, is perfect. What is one thing you are facing with bravery right now? I'm facing with bravery, stepping into my truth and just really owning the knowledge that I have to share and to share it with no fear behind it. That's what I'm doing. And what do you believe is one thing that's holding you back from living your greatest life right now? <laughs> comfort right now. I think we talked about that a couple of, a couple of weeks ago on one of our live streams. Am I too comfortable? Mm. Um, I would say comfort, you know, it's, it's good. I've worked through a lot of fears. Things aren't too fearful and things are working, uh, which is nice, but I know that when you push through comfort, there is uncomfort. So I think that that would be what's holding me back. And last question, what is one piece of advice you would give me to be able to live my best life? Become obsessively curious to understanding oneness. That's what I would say, Become which, which it could expand into become excessively curious about consciousness, about your highest self, about dimensions, about source. That is all within the conversation of oneness. Well, I'll be Googling that right after this <laughs> conversation. And of course, I know you'll be contributing some of that knowledge that I'll be consuming in the, the near future and beyond. So Danielle, do you want to maybe just explain where people can find out more about you and the best place to connect with you as well? Yeah, you just go right onto the internet, type in Google, throw in my name, sort through those other competitors like oh, that's right. Find me there. No, but you can you can honestly find me on any platform. I'm not gonna give you all my shit because you can just look me up. You'll find me. Can't miss yeah. me. <laughs> Sounds good. I'll link it all up as well. And yes, it's not Danielle Grant, the former Bahamas international <laughs> contestant or the meteorologist or the realtor. It is your mindset mentor. Thanks so much for doing this, Danielle. Thanks, Trevor. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Trevor Turnbull Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please consider subscribing on my YouTube channel and on your favorite podcast platform and leave me a review. I'd love to hear from you. Now, until next time, remember, today is a beautiful day of opportunity. Trust that you're exactly where you're supposed to be right now. So be grateful, be curious, and be brave. 